Revelation chapter 21. So, I absolutely love the new year. I always have. When I was in college, I would enjoy the new semester. And I had a lot of new semesters in college because I did so bad with the previous semesters in college. And um, I, I just love the concept of, of newness. I love it. Let's, I want us to look at some of that today, and we're going to tie it in. You can probably see this is our theme for the new year, not ashamed. Not ashamed. Uh, I've been talking with our outreach team, and Paul Schrader came up with this theme for our year and just the idea that we're not ashamed. We're going to look at that passage in a minute. But how many of you believe that people need to hear about Jesus Christ? That heaven is real and hell is real and the gospel is real. And I, I really want to tie it together with this idea of newness. So look with me at Revelation chapter 21. Revelation chapter 21, look at verse 1. And I saw a new heaven and a new earth wonder what that's going to look like. For the first heaven and the first earth were passed away, and there was no more sea. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people, and God himself shall be with them and be their God. And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes, and there shall be no, no more death, neither sorrow nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain, for the former things are passed away. And he that sat upon the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. And he said unto me, Write, for these words are faithful, for these words are true and faithful. And he said unto me, It is done, I am the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end, I will give unto him that is a thirst of the fountain of the water of life freely. So how does he accomplish this? Look at Genesis, uh, Revelation chapter 22. Revelation chapter 22, verse 1. And he showed me a pure river of water of life, clear as crystal, proceeding out of the throne of God and of the Lamb, in the midst of the street of it, and on either side of the, in the midst of the street of it, and on either side of the river, was there the tree of life, which bare twelve manner of fruits, and yielded her fruit every month, and the leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. And there shall be no more curse, but the throne of God and of the Lamb shall be in it, and his servants shall serve him. And they shall see his face, and his name shall be in their foreheads, and there shall be no night there. And they need no candle, neither light of the sun, for the Lord God giveth them light, and they shall reign forever and ever. Lord, please help us as we look at this passage, we, we think of this concept of newness from your word. Father, I pray that you'll help us today to understand that you do make all things new. In Jesus' name. Amen. Isn't that an amazing concept? Imagine, no more suffering, no more pain, no more tears, no more crying. It's all new. Man, I wish that was today. I wish that was today. 
And yet, God has given us some really significant things to help us to appreciate this newness. Go with me to Genesis chapter 3. Okay, you guys on the front, that's the other end of the Bible. Genesis chapter 3, especially the second row right there. You guys, you'll be awake? All right, Genesis chapter 3. I'm sorry, Genesis chapter 1. Is the preacher awake? Genesis chapter 1, look at verse 14. And God said, Let there be lights in the firmament of the heaven to divide the day from the night, and let them be for signs and for seasons and for days and years. And let them be for lights in the firmament of the heaven to give light upon the earth, and it was so. And God made two great lights, the greater light to rule the day and the lesser light to rule the night. He made the stars also. And God set them in the firmament of the heaven to give light upon the earth and to rule over the day and over the night and divide the light from darkness. And God saw that it was good and the evening and the morning were the fourth day. It's a wonderful thing, this evening and morning, the fourth day, Jesus Christ rose from the dead on the third day and this fourth day is a day of new beginnings. And when we look at what God gave us, he's promised us that there is coming a day. Look at Malachi chapter 4. Malachi chapter 4. Look at verse 1. For behold, the day cometh that shall burn as an oven, and all the proud, yea, and all that do wickedly shall be stubble. And the day that cometh shall burn them up, saith the Lord of hosts, that it shall leave them neither root nor branch. But unto you that fear my name shall the Son of righteousness arise with healing in his wings, and ye shall go forth and grow up as calves of the stall. There's coming a day. When Jesus Christ comes back and that son of righteousness rises with healing in his wings. And for those of us who know him, no more suffering, no more pain, no more struggle. And what did God do to help us to understand that promise? He put the sun and the moon in the sky and he gave us hours and days and weeks and years so that we can have that new beginning over and over and over Again, isn't it true that every morning, every morning, his mercies are new. That sun rising, that, that, that sun coming anew for us every day is simply a promise of that great day when the sun of righteousness arises with healing in his wings. Isn't that a wonderful hope and a wonderful promise? How many of you are glad to know that New Year's is more than a day for the world to get drunk. It's a wonderful thing that we have this promise. Years ago, I looked up the word new in Webster's 1828 dictionary, and he always gives points about what those words mean from the scriptures. And so I want to go through some of this 
And I want us to contemplate it in this idea of the newness that God brings. So number one, new. It's something recently produced by chance. Or I'm sorry, something recently produced by change as a new life. And the Bible says in Ephesians 4, to put on the new man. To put on the new man. Be honest. How many of you want to be, you, you have said this in your own private prayer life, that, that you want to be different than you were in the last year? How many of you have said that? Now, because I did not preach last week, um, and then we had Brandon on the, the New Year's Eve, this is my first chance to speak with you all about this. And, and I thought this would be interesting to do it today. Who would be honest? How many of you made some kind of New Year's resolution that you've already blown? Hold your hands up. Be honest. Who's going to confess it? Okay. Every day is new. Every day is new. Now, sometimes we make a resolution or whatever that's not reasonable. I'm going to lose 50 pounds in January. What, are you going to cut off your head? (laughs) That's not a realistic goal, right? That's just, it's not real. But the Bible tells us that God wants to make us new. He wants to change us. If you set out to change yourself, you are sure to fail. What does the, the prophet say? Can the, uh, uh, the leopard change his spots or an Ethiopian change his skin? Man, when I was young, we'd go outside, you know, you'd want to go, you know, fool around at the beach or whatever. It's very difficult to do that when you're an albino. It would have been wonderful to change my skin at that point. Folks, not going to happen. It is not going to happen. I can't change me, but here's the good news. God can make me an absolutely new man. Can we look at it? 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Verse 17, therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. And all things are of God, who hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ and hath given to us the ministry of reconciliation. That ministry of reconciliation, that has to do with our theme. We're not ashamed. Of the gospel. Hold your place here in 2 Corinthians and go to Romans chapter 1. Romans 1. We'll look at verses 16 and 17. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For therein, in that gospel, for therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. This ministry of reconciliation that's spoken of in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 18 is the ministry that we have all been given. How many of you know that? So I guess the question is, why don't we tell more people about Jesus? So let's look at what this newness does in us. So remember, our first definition of new is recently produced by change 
as a new life. And the Bible says to put on the new man. But what is the criterion for a new life? What is it? You have to be in Christ. If any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. If any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Are you glad that you're a new creature? How many of you are in Christ? You are in Christ. If you are in Christ, you are a new creature. So the the qualifier for this new man is you must be in Christ. So what is the change? It's like Noah going in the ark. He had to be in the ark in order to be saved into this new world. You have to be in Christ in order to be able to go into this new world that we just read about in the book of Revelation. It's a a new man. Let me ask you this. What does it take to make a new man? Let's go look at it, Philippians chapter 3. Look at verse 20. For our conversation is in heaven, from whence also we look for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall change our vile body, that it may be fashioned like unto his glorious body, according to the working whereby he is able even to subdue all things unto himself. So the way that God changes us doth not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when we see him, we'll be like him, for we shall see him as he is. The Bible says that all creation groans, and even we ourselves who have the first fruits of salvation, even we groan waiting for the adoption to wit the redemption of the body, the body, Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye at the last trump. God is going to change our body. Until then, God wants to put a new man in your old body. And let me just tell you, I'm not ashamed of the new man. I'm not ashamed of what God is doing in me. How many of you would say that, not not you would say it, but others have said it to you? That since you were born again, or since you got right with God, you're a different person. Has anyone said that to you? Hold up your hand if someone has said that to you. Are you ashamed of that? Are you ashamed of that? If your husband, wives, if your husband all of a sudden said, you are a better wife to me today than ever. The, the, The way that you love me, the way that you love our family our relationship, it's better than ever. Would you say, don't say that. Please don't tell anybody that. Would you be ashamed of that? Of course not. Of course not. When you win an award, you get some kind of award at school. I remember when I got my my letter, you know, for my letter. Do they do letterman jackets anymore? Is that a thing? Still? Okay. Remember when I got my letter and then you get the pins to put on your letter and all of those things? Now it's weird when a guy's wearing that and he's 35. You know what I mean? That's kind of weird. But when, but when you first get it, like Uncle Rico, right? When, when you first get that letter, man, you want everybody to see it. You're not ashamed of it. When I was in Bible college, 
there was this hallway that you'd go down, and the girls' dorms were down at that end. And you could always tell a girl that had gotten engaged that evening because as she's running down that hall, her hand is like this for everybody to see the ring. Now, they're all Bible college students buying the ring, so you need a magnifying glass to see the stone. But there was a ring, and that girl was not ashamed. Of course, Laura went like this down the hallway when we got... But there was not ashamed of that ring. Why? Why? Because it was a change. It's something new. I was JV, now I'm varsity. I was alone, now I'm engaged. There's a change that has taken place, and you're not ashamed of it. There's another. The next definition, so the first is something new brought about by a change. And then not habituated, not familiar, unaccustomed. So what happens when you get saved and you walk in the Spirit? It only happens if you become a disciple and you begin following Jesus. But what happens is you get new habits. One of the interesting things that happens when you get saved, you find out there are some things that you had been doing that you ought to be ashamed of. Have you ever heard this? Have you no shame Right? When you get saved, you find out there are some things that you are supposed to be ashamed of. And then what you remember is maybe the things that you said about other Christians or about Christians before you became a believer. You thought, these people are crazy. And you and your friends would talk about maybe somebody at school or somebody at work that was a believer, but now you're one of them. And now you have to decide... Am I ashamed of what I used to make fun of? Or am I ashamed to be identified with what I used to make fun of? See, what happens is, as a believer, we learn that there are some old habits that we need to put off. And there are some new habits that we need to put on. What are some of those new habits? We could all say it just off the top of our head. Prayer. Bible reading. How about forgiveness? How about long-suffering? Amen? We know what these new habits are that we are supposed to develop. But in order to put on those new habits, you have to put off those old habits. So here's the question. Am I ashamed of the new habits? Am I ashamed of being more patient? Am I ashamed of being more loving? Am I ashamed of being more kind? Of course not. Of course not. I'm thankful. Because here's what happens. If you follow what the Lord tells you to be as a Christian, that will make you a better employee. That'll make you a better boss. It will help your career, unless, of course, you have someone in your path that hates God and hates God's people, and then you might have to pay a price for following the Lord. But the Bible says, blessed are you when you suffer reproach for his name. It's it's an honor, and we've learned that in the book of Acts. And yet, I wonder how many of us would be ashamed of the gospel and ashamed of our testimony for him if we knew it would keep us from getting a promotion. That's tough, isn't it? That's tough. So the first is recently produced by a change. The second is not habituated, not familiar, unaccustomed. These these new 
habits. Romans 8, 2 says, For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus hath made me free from the law of sin and death. You know what's wonderful? When we sin, we don't. We can never say, how many of you are born again? You know Jesus Christ is your Savior. Well, you can't say that you sinned because you had to. Got a little quiet right there. Well, it's my flesh. Are you free from the law of sin and death? Now, that doesn't mean you're going to be perfect. You have your flesh. You're going to sin, but you still don't have to. You now have the ability to flee from that sin. Amen? And I'm not ashamed. I'm not ashamed of that. Then, number three. Number three. This is interesting. New. Renovated. Repaired so as to recover the first state. Now, I, I like watches. I like watches. And, but I'm afraid to buy a restored one because you don't know what they did to it. Does it still actually have the original parts? If you pay for an Omega, when you go inside it, is it still an Omega or is it now a Timex? Right? That you're afraid of the way something is restored. Some of you work on cars and you're able to restore cars. Have you ever seen a bad restoration job? Right? All of a sudden, parts start falling off because it's all Bondo. Right? It's just junk, a terrible restoration. That's not what God does. See, remember what the Bible says? That, that we're waiting for the restitution of all things. The times of refreshing that come from the Lord. God's going to restore this planet to its original condition, the way that he had intended it. Isn't that cool? And then he's going to make an entire new one. That's amazing. But what does he do for you? What does he do for you? It's wonderful. We looked at the passage in 2 Corinthians 5. If any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. A new creature. So this newness, it's renovated, repaired, so as to recover the first state. I have this written in my notes. God, do this to me. I'm going to be honest. Okay, can we just testify a little bit here? I'm not going to make you talk, but be honest. How many of you honestly thought you'd be farther along in your Christian life than you are right now? You ever say something or do something or think something, whatever, and then just a little while later, it could be in the, in the darkness of your room that night as you close your eyes, and you just say, oh, God. Why am I like this? I think it was Nikki Spradlin and some of the ladies were talking one day, and I can't remember what it was. I said, I need to ask you a question. And, you know, then they made some kind of smart aleck remark to me. And so I said, why are you the way you are? Y'all know that? Isn't that funny? I love that. Why are you the way you are? That's one of the funniest things in the world to me. How do you answer that? Right? And so in those moments where you're praying, and you say, God, why am I the way that I am? It isn't the way that Paul prayed, the way he wrote it in, in Romans 7. A wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from the body of this death? And yet, and yet, God wants to make me that new man. Now, here's the good news. I'm not going to preach this whole sermon right here. 
I know that in me that, it, that is in my flesh, there dwelleth no good thing. Amen? And yet, my new man, because I'm saved, perfect, sinless. When God sees me, he sees the righteousness of Jesus Christ. And so Paul writes about, you know, we need to attain, we need to work. And he says, not as though we are perfect. Then the next verse, he says, let as many of us as be perfect. Isn't that awesome? That is so good. That's the new man and the old man. I have not yet attained what Christ has already made me. Did you hear that? I have not yet attained what Christ has already made me. I have a position in Christ, which is completely righteous and holy and pure. My job is through the power of the Holy Spirit and through dying to self to bring the, 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 this person into the reality of what Christ has already made me. Now, can I just be honest? What I just said doesn't make any sense at all. But that's the reality of Scripture. And so, this definition is renovated, repaired, so as to recover. I like this one too. Recently commenced, like the new year. We're still at the beginning of the new year. So when I put on my watch, my watch was still from last year. And so I only had to move it a few clicks, my date, a few clicks to get to the new year. Why? Because it just started. Those of you who have already blown it on your resolution, some of you who raised your hand, like me, that's okay. Start over. Start over. It's new, and this year is new. And here's the thing. How many of you know that eternity is longer than 70 years? Right? So for me, 60 years old. He's 61 in May. Can't believe it. That sounds so old. It really does. It sounds good night. I feel like I'm a day older than baseball. But, and, and what happens, like, like I was saying a minute ago, is I will sometimes think, I'm 60 years old. Shouldn't I have this licked by now? Laura says, absolutely, you should have this licked by now. Here's the good news. I'm not dead yet. Who knows? God might give me another 40 years. How many of you know people that make it to 100? Who knows? But I know this. God's not done with me yet. You know what I would love? I've said this several times in the last year. Some of the work that I'm doing. And pray for me this, these next two weeks. I'm taking my time away to study and pray. And Laura's going to Germany to see the grandkids. and um, She'll see Lyd and Josh too. But she's going over there to see the grandkids. She flies out tomorrow. She's flying out of Chicago. It's super cold. Pray that her plane... Gets off, but I'm going to be gone for a couple of weeks. What for? To plan, to pray, to write, to to make things new. That's I know many of you wish that you could do that. I'm very thankful that I get to do that. So pray for me. We, I'm trying to get this new book finished and get that written and and be moving ahead with some of these things. Do you have anything new in your Christian life? Is there anything that's recently 
commenced. I've just started this. I love it that these, the, the, the Rohrbachs just started discipleship. Just and, and Jeff and Sue haven't ruined them yet. They're, they're going to become surly and all that just like Jeff and Sue. But right now they're excited. That's new. What, what is there in your Christian life that has recently commenced? Or is it all just the same old, same old, same old? Man, don't be ashamed to start something new for the Lord. Make it a new year of service. A new year of love for the Lord and love for God's people, and of course, evangelism. So, renovated, recently commenced, and then, this one's pretty interesting. Having passed the change or conjunction with the sun as the new moon. That's interesting, isn't it? So the question is, have you met the sun? Have you met the sun? Jesus Christ. He wants to make you new. And when he does, how does that happen? Through the gospel of Jesus Christ. Look at Romans, I'm sorry, 1 Corinthians chapter 15. First Corinthians 15. Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you, it's verse 1, the gospel which I preached unto you, which also ye have received and wherein ye stand, by which also ye are saved, if ye keep in memory what I preached unto you, unless ye have believed in vain. For I delivered unto you, first of all, that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins, according to the Scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day, according to the Scriptures, and that he was seen of Cephas, then of the twelve. After that, he was seen above five hundred brethren at once, of whom the greater part remain unto this present, but some are fallen asleep. After that, he was seen of James, then of all the apostles. And last of all, he was seen of me as of one who was born out of due time. Now, we can't see Jesus. The Bible says, blessed is he that doesn't see and still believes. That's what faith is about. But have you met him? Have you met the Son? How many of you have met the Son? You know Jesus Christ is your Savior. You've, you, you've, been, you, you've been translated from death unto life. You are now this new man. You've been able to begin something new. Here's my question. Are you ashamed of that? Are you ashamed of it? Think of it when you get that new thing. When you get that new thing. Matt Holesclaw and I like boots. So if I got a new pair of boots, I like to show Matt Holesclaw my boots and He's going to tell me the next three pair he wants to buy, but he can't because his wife will divorce him if he buys them all at the same time. Is that something like the way it goes? Yes. Okay. It's fun. You get that new thing, and you have somebody else that enjoys that same hobby with you, and, and you, want to, you want to show it. And it's a wonderful thing. The Bible says, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth, the Lord Jesus. Can we look at that passage for just a second? We'll be done. Look at Romans chapter 10. We're going to break this down a little bit more over the next few weeks. Romans chapter 10. Look at verse 9. <clears throat> that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus 
and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For the scripture saith, whosoever believeth on him shall, can you read those next three words with me? Not be ashamed. We're going to look at Romans 116, and we're going to, I'm going to, Lord willing, preach a message on it and break it down. And For I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it's the power of God to salvation, to them that believe, to the Jew first, and also to the Greek. I'm not ashamed of that. Why? Because it's the power of God to salvation. Then why don't we say it more? There's only a couple of reasons why we wouldn't. And so our challenge for the year wouldn't it be cool? Our attendance, we run, I don't know, between 240 and 260 people. Tom, is that about right? Right around there. How cool would it be? Here, here's our goal for our outreach team. How about we see 12 people saved and baptized this year? Is that possible? We're not saying Pentecost we're going to have 5,000 people down the aisle and baptize this year. Now, that would be awesome, wouldn't it? But 12, is that reasonable? But here's what I know. I really believe this. If we make a conscious effort to win 12 people to Christ and see them baptized, well, that effort will also bring more people into our church. What if we're averaging over 300 by the end of this year, simply because we make a conscious effort to lead people to Christ. How many of you have ever, you've thought of someone, you go to them, and you give the gospel, and you find out, praise God, they're saved. How many of you have ever had that happen? Isn't that a cool thing that happens? And then they're excited because somebody finally tried to tell them about Jesus. How many of you that in your life, other than the people that led you to the Lord, how many of you never had anybody confront you with the gospel your whole life? How many of you are like that? Well, can the people that know us say that? Think about that. That there are going to be people that never hear the gospel because I didn't tell them. Why don't I tell them? We're going to be looking at that. Because I'm embarrassed most of the time. I, 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 I'm, afraid of the, I'm afraid of the pushback. I'm afraid of the reception. Folks, we got to get over that. We need to be not ashamed. So that's our theme this year. We want this to be a year of evangelism, a year of outreach. And I'm already going to announce what our theme is for next year. It's discipleship. What comes after evangelism? And so we're going to reemphasize discipleship. But wouldn't it be really cool if we had 10 or 15 or 20 or 30 or 40 or 50 people in here who have received Christ because we took evangelism seriously. Y'all aren't excited about that at all. Look at your faces. What a bunch of dead people. I'm, I'm reminded of Jeremiah. Jeremiah said, be not dismayed by their faces. <laughs> how many of you love Jesus? How many of you are happy about it? Be honest. How many of you are a little afraid to be the one to go out and tell people? Be honest. You're, you're, let's fix that this year. Amen? And let's fix it together. Let's all stand together. Lord, we love you. We have a great desire to, be, to see more people come to know you. 
And so, like those in the book of Acts, we are praying for boldness. Boldness.